You know, if your spouse likes to shoot pool and you don't, and he's going off with the guys or she's going off with the girls, that's a positive kind of thing. And and you're not stuck doing an activity that you don't like. And it's important. It's just part of the enjoyment of life is being able to enjoy things with others. And, you know, recently we talked about when we were talking about the things we like about marriage, one of the great things about being married is having that partner that you can enjoy the great things in life. But Jen does not enjoy riding my motorcycle as much as I do. But I've got friends that will go out on motorcycle rides together. Sure, and, that's great. And we have fun with that. And it's something that I'm able to experience in a different way. And that's valuable. You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Harvey. And we're back in the studio. Jennifer Harvey here from Operation Thriving Marriage, and I'm here with my very, very handsome husband, Brian Harvey. Well, thank you, sweetheart. And thank everybody for listening to the podcast and spending some time talking about marriage with us. I want to remind you, we've got our two-year anniversary coming up pretty soon, and that episode is going to be built by you. We're looking to answer your questions. The most favorite session when we do our live experiences is the Q&A at the end. We love that. And the oh, so much. audience seems to love that as well. So we'd like to bring that to you as well. So please send us your questions and go to operationthrivingmarriage.com. You can hit the leave a voicemail and you can leave a voice message on the thing or you can go to contacts and send us a message. You can also email me at brian.d.harvey at gmail.com. Just remember, my name is spelled B-R-Y-O-N. Look forward to hearing your questions and answering them for you. And I'm excited about this podcast recording today because we're talking about friendships and how uh, friendships impact your marriage and, of course, the friendship that you have between yourself and your spouse. I really thought when you were leading into that, I really thought you were going to say we're talking about Barb. Oh, okay. We're going to spend the next 30 (laughs) minutes talking about my friend, Barb, who lives in Tampa. Love you, Barb. So for those of you that don't know, haven't heard that, that is um, Jen's best friend, and she loves Barb very much. And Barb's name has become a verb because when Jen sees Barb, she bear hugs the poor woman um, within an inch of her life. And now when one gets bear hugged, often in our house, it's the poor cat. They, we say that they have been barbed. That is true. And But yeah, poor Barb, if you live next door to me and I could see you more often, you probably wouldn't be squeezed like a bagpipe as much. But love you dearly. Less bruised ribs. Less bruised ribs. <laughs> yes. So we're talking about friendships, though, and their Woo-hoo! effect on marriage and want to talk about kind of some of the myths about friendships that we've seen and talk to people or even you see some of these on TV and stuff, these false ideas about friendship and marriage. And one of them is this idea that your spouse should be able to fulfill all of your friendship needs. Mm -hmm. Sure. And I think that that comes from just the idea of if you're married, you're never going to be lonely because you're never going to be lonely because you're always going to have this friend and your spouse there no matter what. And that's going to check the box for you across the, the board. Time and time again, it's becoming more common in culture to talk about marrying your best friend. Sweetheart, mm-hmm. you are my best friend. Absolutely. And, and, and of course, then my friends Barb and Lisa are going to say, well, then what are we, chopped liver? And they're not. But it's a <laughs> different role. It's very different. 
it's completely unrealistic to expect a spouse to fulfill every friendship role and every friendship need that you have. They're, they're one person. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more later in the, um, in this podcast, but humans were relational. And the idea is for us to have a full complement of relationships in our life. And one person, even a spouse can't fulfill all of those relational needs. And of course, God fills the ultimate relational need in our lives. But even then, God talks about the church and the idea of a community. We need more relationships than just one person in our lives. It also puts way, way too much pressure on your spouse. Oh, isn't that the truth? And you don't want to have that pressure on your spouse to be anything and everything that you need relationally at one time. It's too much pressure. It's unrealistic. And no person can do that. We talk about Christ being able to meet your relational needs, but we are relational creatures and we need to be able to have connectivity, not just with God, but healthy connectivity with each other too. And even with that, I mean, Christ, part of the way he meets our relational needs is through his body, the church. It's not just you and Jesus on a mountaintop. I mean, that's not biblical. So yeah, it's having this thing. And another thing that when you believe that your spouse should fulfill all your friendship needs, it separates you from church, from building relationships in the context of your church, but also separates you from the community of all those people that God loves. If you don't have friendships, you don't have relationships, how do you live out everything that God's called you to? Because you need friendships and relationships to share the gospel, not oh, my project for the month is this coworker, and I'm just going to talk about this coworker or talk to this coworker about Jesus and, and do that without any relational credibility underneath that. You've got to build those relationships. And so expecting your spouse to fulfill that, it's separating you from the very people that God has sent you to represent him to. And I, I liked what you were saying just about God fulfilling some of these friendship needs. What's great is at our church this past weekend, uh, our pastor was uh, talking about God being that friend, being that partner to us. And he quoted John White in Daring to Draw Near. It may be inconceivable that the same God wants such a relationship with you. You are a creature he made. You are a sinner he redeemed. You are even his child by adoption and by supernatural birth, yet he calls you to a higher dignity, to that of a friend and partner. Friendship is so important, and you can't expect that your spouse is going to fulfill all your friendship needs. But there's the other side of that coin, too, and that is expecting that your spouse shouldn't need any other friends but you, that you should be able to fulfill all of those needs. And we kind of tease about this now, but that was kind of a, an issue or a problem that we had kind of earlier Absolutely. on in our, in our marriage. And you, you can speak to that a little bit. For sure. Yeah. So it's completely unrealistic. There were times early in our marriage where Jen and I would talk about something and then she would go talk to her best friend, Barb. Or Lisa. Or Lisa. Or 
mostly Barb because, well, Barb and I are basically the same person. We've decided. No. There you go. <laughs> they're the same. They're the same for Myers Briggs. If you guys care about personality yeah. tests, so yeah. And the um, but it was really frustrating for me because I was feeling inadequate. I was feeling like I was not competent or not good enough or not a good enough spouse to Jen because she'd be going through something and talking to me wasn't enough. You'd go talk to your friends. And what was even more maddening to me at the time is you'd come back to me and usually Barb, and this is kind of the joke because Barb and I have very similar ideas and worldviews and a lot of things. And we would give very similar counsel to you, right? So you'd come back and say, oh yeah, I feel so much better. Barb said, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, but I said, blah, 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 three weeks ago and it didn't work. (laughs) But it wasn't, I didn't say it in the right way. And I didn't have, not that I'm less than as your husband, but I'm not one of your girlfriends. And I wasn't able to communicate it the way that Barb did. And I think some of that too has to do with another female lawyer. So having different experiences Mm -hmm. in that. And then once I became a mom, she too being a mom, you know, it's just a different relationship. And it's probably something that churches will experience when we come down to give an Operation Thriving Marriage live event. Somebody who saw us is going back to their pastor. The Harvey said this thing and it, it just resolved everything for our marriage. And the pastor's like, I've been saying that to you for three years. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll pull out their sermon series like, hey, I said it here, here, here. But it's just that different diversity of thought is mm-hmm. valuable. And that's why there are so many people. And that's why we're all different. And God made us that way on purpose. And that's why the church is the way it is. But another thing about this idea of believing that your spouse shouldn't need friends is it limits them. Sure. It limits their experience. It limits who they are. And really, if you try to live that out, it forces them to be less than who they are because now they're only who they are in relation to you and seen through you, your eyes. And part of who we are is experienced in how our friends see us and tell us who we are. And sometimes we need a friend to remind us who we are in a way that our spouse just doesn't have the words to communicate. Or the perspective for that matter. Yeah. And so one of the things I think is really important is on either side of this, whether it's thinking that you shouldn't need other friends or that your spouse shouldn't need other friends, is it's important to remember that friendship is actually a biblical value. Jen quoted, the guy that our pastor quoted, talked about friendship. Jesus wants us to be our friend. And God calls us to friendship with him. And some of the most spectacular ones, I think, I mean, you look at David and Jonathan. In yeah, that's kind of a summer. go-to, I think, about friendship in the Bible. It's such a beautiful story for me and so meaningful to see these two men have this friendship. And God used Jonathan to help develop David into the man God wanted David to be, to be the king that God wanted David to be. That was convoluted, I suppose. But the most important part is that Jonathan was valuable and his friendship relationship was valuable and God used that. And it's something that's important. And I think it wasn't God using Jonathan as an object, right? 
God used Jonathan to his glory. God knew that Jonathan would cooperate with him in this friendship to develop David, where Jonathan, I think, is a great example of a great friend and someone who was laying down the possibility of taking the crown after his father Saul would have died because he knew it was God's will for David to step in. And David, and he talked and it was like, okay, Jonathan's going to be second in the kingdom to me because this is what my calling is. And Jonathan was happy to go along with that calling and to be David's number two, even though that's not how that hierarchical structure was set up uh, with kingdoms in that time. Yeah, that was a great, beautiful friendship. Another one is, look at Jesus and the disciples. I mean, towards the end of his ministry, Jesus specifically says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends, because that's what you are. And he had this relationship, and the Bible tells us everything we need to know, not everything we want to know. Right. I wish there were more stories of them hanging out at the fire at, at night, just shooting the breeze, just sharing that. But the fact that they spent three years together, and yes, they followed Jesus, and he is the Messiah and the Master and Lord, but he called them friends, and he washed their feet the night of the Last Supper. Mm -hmm. He loved them, and he elevated them. He didn't push them down or communicate, hey, I am God, you're not. He elevated them And he made a point to come down himself and condescend to be one of us and be friends with us. And that was so countercultural at that time, because we at that time in the Roman Empire, looking to make a man God, it wasn't God coming down to be a man. And then elevate all of us to be his friends. That's right. And then um, God and his people. Specifically, Moses in Exodus 33:11, God spoke to Moses as a man does a friend. You know, Abraham is called a friend of God in Isaiah 41:8 and James 2:23. God had these friend relationships with them and Psalm 25:14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. Friendship is everyone who wants that covenant relationship with God. God wants to be friends. So that that's not just for, you know, these these uh, high hitters, if, if you will, or high rollers of the faith. You know, this is not just God was friends with Abraham or he was friends with the apostles. He's friends with us as well. For all of us. And that's the whole thing. It's There's so many metaphors, so many ways that God talks about our relationship with him because it's so massive. You can't put it into one thing, but friendship is part of it. And we see these friendships in the Bible, and there's more than just the ones we've talked about. And we see God saying, yeah, I want to be your friend. I want you to have conversations with me. I want to hang out with you in the summer out on the boat if you're in Michigan or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I want to spend this time with you. You're important and valuable. And it's not just, oh, I'm God and you. He does have a plan for us and has a purpose for us and a mission for us. But more than anything, God created humanity because he loves. And this friendship love is part of God's love that he wants to bestow upon us and then experience from us as well. And friendship, so it's a biblical value. But it's also 
friendships are good for your marriage. It helps mm-hmm. you guys have a thriving, strong marriage when you have healthy friendships. It helps you to stay connected to the community. Being friends are to provide models of healthy relationship. And how many times have we seen it where couples who are hanging out with other couples who have strong marriages, they keep pouring into each other and strengthening each other's marriages. And some of that has to do with they're seeing each other as this unit and they want to make sure that that's maintained and that that is a blessed union and a blessed marriage and that they continue to build into each other and be fulfilled. Um, Friendships are great for marriage because they provide wise counsel. Again, Brian's a fantastic husband, but when I talk to my girlfriends who are lawyers and I, they're not my sisters-in-law, but I, they are my sisters in the law and they can really- It's confusing to me too. It's okay. It's fine. My, my kids call them aunties, another thing. But what I think is really great about it is they can speak into career and family and marriage and have that understanding as a female in ways that Brian would never be able to just because of a different life stage uh, that that they're in and, and that I'm in there. They're able to also allow us to enjoy activities that your spouse might not enjoy. So I think that's kind of a cool thing. You know, if your spouse likes to shoot pool and you don't, and he's going off with the guy or she's going off with the girls, that's a positive kind of thing. And, you, and you're not stuck doing an activity that you don't like. And it's important. It's just part of the enjoyment of life is being able to enjoy things with others. And, you know, recently we talked about when we were talking about the things we like about marriage, one of the great things about being married is having that partner that you can enjoy the great things in life. But Jen does not enjoy riding my motorcycle as much as I do. Well, my policy, you know, because we're married and we have kids who are growing up, it's kind of a president, vice president thing. And we don't want them both taken out just like you get put the president, vice president, different airplanes just in case of a disaster. But that's another thing. But I've got friends that will go out on motorcycle rides together. Sure. That's great. And we have fun with that. And it's something that I'm able to experience in a different way. And that's valuable. Friendships also help you maintain your individual identity. Yes. While it is so, so important, the idea of one flesh, the idea of we become one couple, and you hear us talk about that a lot on this podcast, it is important. But also being the you that God created you to be as an individual is important as well. You bring all of you into your marriage. and. Sometimes you need to bring those things that your spouse doesn't bring out of you into your marriage. And something that helps me a lot in our marriage is I've got a few colleagues, um, my wingman in the guard, that will talk about relationships and marriage and just life, but they're able to share with me concepts of relating with people in general that we wouldn't, Jen and I wouldn't have those conversations, not that they're not valid or relevant, but they're conversations that start with our military experience. These guys are, the guys that I'm thinking of, they're all former first sergeants in the Air Force like me, and we've all spent a significant part of our career focused on making other people better and learning how to bring the best out of others. And them talking to me and thinking through things helps me come home and be a better husband and a better father and helps me be who I am. Because 
sometimes couples, there's a great benefit and you should be aligned in your values and in your direction of life, but you don't want to be a clone of each other. You need to be closer together and aligned and you're one, but you're also individuals. And there's a mystery there that's incredibly valuable. And if it's two people looking in the mirror saying, hey, we both look great and not having these other thoughts come in to help us grow, then it becomes something that is less effective. And I think something too, we we don't want to think about this, but one spouse is very likely going to outlive the other. And it's good to have those relationships in that community there to be able to pick up that survivor and recognize the good in them and see them as part of that couple now that that spouse has passed away and then see what can be built into the future as to that now single person. And it goes back to why does God build a church rather than just a bunch of people sitting on a hill by themselves? We have this community. Um, However, there are times when friendships can be threatening to a marriage. That's One of the things that we've heard time and time again, and you may have heard this as well, is show me your friends and I'll show you who you are or I'll show you who you're becoming. And if your friends are not leading you down to be the kind of spouse that's going to have a thriving marriage, it can threaten your marriage. So the first thing, always, always, always prioritize your spouse. Mm -hmm. And of course, that doesn't mean that you can't ever spend time with friends, but you want to make sure that you're demonstrating to your spouse that your spouse is more important than your than who your friends are. Uh, I think a, a good example of this is if you're having a sp- if you have a spouse who's going through a hard time in life, you want to make sure you're spending time with your spouse instead of just taking off to you know go golfing with your buddies or you know go out you know for some girls' night out. Right. And then also never let your friends speak or act in a way that disparages or demeans your spouse. Oh, that's the truth. And I I lost a friend some years back that was saying bad things about Brian because I, I just wasn't going to stand for that. And I appreciate that Jen loves me and loves our marriage enough. And that was because that was a long term friendship. Sure. That had to unfortunately end. But another thing we've seen, I'm thinking of one case in particular you dealt with early in your career, the wife was spending time with her friends and all of her friends were divorced and all were celebrating, oh, it's so great, the freedom of divorce yes. and stuff. And it's not great. I'm talking to people who are divorced. There's certain things like because of different bad things, but at the end of the day, divorce is not a good thing. But hearing, oh, we're go- they're going to Vegas together. And so this woman would go to Vegas with all her divorced friends. And guess what? Her husband was coming to Jen because he needed a lawyer because his wife had filed divorce paperwork. You've got to make sure that your friends value your marriage. Very much so, and value your spouse and the impact that you have on each other as a married couple. Something else to remember, though, is when when you feel threatened by your spouse's friends or when friends are threatening, is you've got to focus on the importance of your spouse's friendships. And so we just talked a little bit about when friends, how to deal with friends that make sure they're not threatening mm-hmm. the marriage. But there's another aspect where, and this was something that, again, we talked about earlier, when I was feeling inadequate because Jen felt the need to go talk to her friends, 
I needed to remember the importance of those friendships and not try to take that away. If I had, you know, held my breath until I turned blue and stomped up and down and said, no, you can't talk to them anymore, that would have been damaging to our marriage and it would have been damaging to our relationship with each other. Now, Jen would have still prioritized me 100% without a doubt, but it would have negatively affected who we are as a couple and Jen individually. So when you're feeling threatened by friendships, you need to have that conversation. Hey, this is something I'm feeling, but also make sure that you are appropriately valuing your spouse's friendships and not dismissing them just because of how you feel, but rather dealing with those feelings. And maybe part of that is if you're the spouse who your spouse is feeling threatened by your friends, make sure you are making the right choices and right actions to prioritize your spouse over your friends without feeling without having to get rid of them. And I think something to really focus in on here is dealing with members of the opposite sex or possibly friendships of the opposite sex. Unfortunately, here in America, it seems like everything's sexualized and there's, you know, in uh, an adulterous relationship kind of lurking in every corner. And I don't think that that's always the case. I wish that we could be less sexualized in the respect that we weren't just seeing people as objects, but we do need to be on our guard. And yes, you can have friendly relationships with members of the opposite sex, but I think in a lot of ways, it's better to do that when you're in your small groups or just dealing with different couples versus a a, a married guy and uh, a married woman not married to each other interfacing as friends just kind of on their own. It's best to do that in more of a group situation, because I know that in some small groups that we've been involved in, you were able to help uh, a a woman through dealing with her, her parents declining health and facing her mother passing away in in a way that I wouldn't have been able to, because you had dealt with some of that uh, with your dad passing away. Absolutely. And sometimes, I mean, so that is important is like when you can have more couples friends, but sometimes you'll have friends of the opposite sex. So for instance, maybe work friends. Sure. First of all, you don't have a work spouse. You have a spouse and you have coworkers. You don't have a work spouse. That's just there's one spouse, but it's sometimes I've got friends and colleagues and there are women that I consider friends that I work with in the guard and in the military for a lot of reasons, I can't just say, oh no, I'm only going to work with Sergeant so-and-so who's a female if there's a male in the room. doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. But what you need to do is never do anything with a friend of the opposite sex that would make your spouse uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so while Jen knows that for official military purposes, I may have to be in a vehicle with someone of the opposite sex and we're going to go do a mission, but I never ride to lunch in my car or her car when it's just the two of us. Sure. You know, it's just because that's an appropriate boundary. And and have accountability in that kind of a thing. And I know that for me, when I've worked with clients, worked with other attorneys, I'm always talking about Brian and the kids because I want to make it just very clear, you know, that I'm taken, I'm happily married and, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to do anything else, you know, that would be anything even, even thought of 
in a moment as being any kind of a romantic advance towards another guy. That's just not happening. Absolutely. And then one of the things that I've always done with my military career is for family day, I make sure to introduce you, right? Sure. Go around and even there's a new chief working for Joint Force Headquarters. So she's my senior enlisted leader. Uh-huh. Phenomenal woman. I respect her a ton. She's very smart. She's very warm, very friendly. But the first chance I got is like, hey, this is my wife. And she was introducing me to her husband. It's, yeah, we, not... we got to meet them, just really lovely couple. Yeah. And I hope they enjoy their time in Michigan. Yeah, and, and we invited them over to the house sometime. Hopefully uh, they're able to make it. But you always want to make sure that you never do anything with a friend of the opposite sex can make your spouse uncomfortable. And always, 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 again, prioritize your spouse. Mm-hmm. You never, especially a friend of the opposite sex, is never more important than your spouse. And really important here, take your spouse seriously if your friend makes them uncomfortable. Yes. If your spouse is saying, I don't like the way he or she talks to you. I don't like the way he or she um, is constantly touching your shoulder, touching your arm. Whatever it is, like that makes me uncomfortable. And the evil one will use friends to hurt your marriage if he can. If you let these little things, they will hurt your marriage. And I think, you know, kind of in in summary, some couples think that spouses should be able to meet all of each other's relational needs, but that's neither realistic nor biblical. Jesus always expected couples to be in community with other believers in the church and in community with those outside the church to share the gospel with them. Friends help you grow as a person and experience more of the fullness of life that God intends for you. And while friendships are important, we must never allow them to get in the way of our marriage. It is never acceptable to allow a friend to interfere with your marriage. Your marriage can and should be the most important friendship that you have. Thank you so much for listening to the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast. We really appreciate and love all of you. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps other people find this podcast and share with them the things that you enjoy about this. Look forward to talking with you again soon. Jen and I started Operation Thriving Marriage to help couples and churches take marriages from merely surviving to thriving. We've got our book, we've got a blog and resources for our coaching ministry, and you can bring us out for an Operation Thriving Marriage experience. For more information, go to OperationThrivingMarriage.com. That's OperationThrivingMarriage.com.